Man, this is a great Sunday. I just get like so much love and support. I don't get uh, that many claps the rest of the year. So this feels good for me. Yeah, thank you. Wow. Man, you know, it, it is really great. I mean, it really is all, all God who gets the glory in that. Um, but this is one of my favorite Sundays. Uh, I love it. I love preaching this Sunday for a few reasons. First is that I get to wear my bathing suit when I preach, and that's just like, this is weekend clothes, guys. This is what I love to wear on the weekend because it means we're going to the beach and hanging out. I love it. Thank you. I know. Second reason I love it is that if this is a horrible sermon, I have a really good excuse. I was just up at camp all week and got no sleep because I was hanging out with the boys. Let's go. It was super fun. And the third reason is that uh, I really just get to take a step back. And at the end, it's really all God that you get to hear all the stories of what God was doing up at camp. You get to hear all the little moments of God moving. So it's a really fun Sunday for me, uh, just personally and as a youth pastor, to share this with you and for you all to just get a taste of what God is doing, what I get to witness. But as a church, this summer we've been going through uh, the parables. We've been picking certain parables of Jesus and just opening them up, taking a peek at them and saying, Jesus, what do you have to teach us as a church? What are you teaching your disciples then? And what are you teaching us now? And so we've been looking at one parable each week and, and opening it up. And so this week we're going to look at uh, two, it's actually two parables. It's the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast. And they're, they're two kind of complementary parables. They go together. Jesus opens up and said, there was a man who planted a mustard seed. And then the second parable, the parable of the yeast, Jesus starts, there was a woman who took some yeast and put it among the flour. So Jesus is trying to show us, he says, there's a man and there was a woman. These two parables go together. And they help us, we understand them together. They help us understand what Jesus is trying to teach us when we look at them together. And, and just as a side note, Jesus starting a parable off and starting a teaching off with using a woman as an example was huge. No other teacher in his time would use a woman as a core example, but Jesus is setting things right here. He's setting things right and showing the full equality and dignity of women with men. And today, this seems old news to us, but I want to reaffirm here that Jesus is teaching, just as the man in the mustard seed, so too the woman and the leaven in the yeast. Jesus is teaching these two parables to show us what the kingdom of God is all about what the ordinary growth of the kingdom of God is all about. Because this teaching, this parable, comes in the midst of this larger teaching of Jesus. So the way that Matthew's gospel is set up, he has structured Jesus' teachings into these five major segments. And he did this to show that this new teaching was supposed to represent this new law. You guys might be well familiar with the Torah, the Pentateuch, as the first five books of the Bible. So Matthew is trying to show us that Jesus' teaching is fulfilling this. He's structured it into these five sections of teaching. And so these teachings on the growth of the kingdom of God is, is one of those major teachings of Jesus. 
And in this section of Jesus' teaching about the kingdom growth, we have a number of parables. One, first, is the parable of the sower. If you were here last week, you had heard Bill teach on the parable of the sower, the sower who goes out and sows seeds, and there's these different responses to how the seed grows, and our own different responses to the word of God coming to us. And then following that is the parable of the weeds. And if you were here earlier in the summer, you would have heard Todd preach on that. How as the kingdom grows, the farmer goes out and plants these seed in his fields, and then his enemy goes out and plants these things that look very similar to the wheat, but they're actually weeds, and they grow up together with the weeds. And he's teaching us about the kingdom of God. And then we have our two parables, the parable of the yeast and the mustard seed. And then we get to the parable of the hidden treasure in the field. So the guy who finds this hidden treasure goes out and sells all that he has so that he can buy the field. That, yes, the kingdom of God pursuing this is worth everything in our lives. If you were here earlier in the summer, you would have heard James teach on that parable. And then we get to the parable of the great catch. This fisherman goes out and he throws his net out and pulls all these different types of fish in and then they sort out the fish, the good fish, from the bad fish. And so, too, that will happen at the end of days. So Jesus is teaching all of these parables, and Matthew has arranged it so that we can see all these parables together about how the kingdom of God advances, how the kingdom of God comes about, how it grows. And it's complex, and it's a mystery, and he chooses to teach us this through parables. So today, as I said, we're going to look at the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. And I want to read it for you, for us, uh, and then I'm going to pray, and then I want to unpack this just a little bit for us. So if you would, you can open up your Bibles to Matthew 13, verses 31 through 33. It's Matthew 13, verses 31 through 33. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, you can listen on as I read. And he, Jesus, told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Would you pray with me? Father, we um, believe that Matthew has faithfully recorded your words here so that we may come to understand who you are and live more and more into your teaching, into your wisdom, and into your kingdom. So we ask now in your loving mercy that you would help us understand this text and apply it to our lives like never before because we say this in the name of your son, Jesus, and for the sake of his glory among all nations. Amen. Jesus is all about the kingdom of heaven. His very first sermon, as recorded in Matthew and Mark, is a simple one. We know the story of Jesus going out into the wilderness and he had the time of temptation. Then he comes back and he says, 
repent, for the kingdom of God is near. His very first sermon is about the kingdom of God. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Now, this sounds like very Christian language, doesn't it? The kingdom of God. And we hear it all the time. But what does the kingdom of God actually mean? What does it actually look like? And this is what we find out through the life of Jesus, through the words and ways of Jesus as we refer to it at our church. Jesus shows us what the kingdom of God is like, what he is all about, what he is leading us into repentance towards. It's the kingdom of God. It is the world set right. It is Jesus showing us how we live, how God has designed the world to live in its fullness and to its flourishing. This is the kingdom of God, things set right. And this is what Matthew is trying to show us in his gospel too. And Jesus' first big chunk of teaching in the gospel of Matthew is the Sermon on the Mount. Are we all familiar with it? Raise your hand if you have known or read the Sermon on the Mount. Great. That's less hands than I thought, but still a good chunk. So let's flip in your Bibles a few chapters before. We're going to go to chapter 5 real quick. Thanks for the few who did that. I appreciate it. Uh, And Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. In the Beatitudes, if you caught that, Jesus starts his first and his last with talking about those who belong to the kingdom of God. And he does this because he wants us to understand this section. It's all of those people that he has just talked about belong to the kingdom. These are what members of God's kingdom look like. This is what Jesus is calling us to, those who follow into him, of the way to live. Blessed are the peacemakers. So we too need to be peacemakers like Jesus. Blessed are the meek. Those who belong to the kingdom are meek. So too are we meek like Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for theirs is God's kingdom. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness belong to God's kingdom, just as Jesus hungered and thirst for righteousness. And on and on it goes. Blessed are those who are persecuted. You guys hear it? Do you kind of see it? What Jesus is all about as he comes in, as he's bringing his kingdom in, is creating these people who carry these characteristics. And not just the Beatitude, but then he goes on through the rest of his Sermon on the Mount to share with those who live in the kingdom what they're going to look like, what God is changing them into, and what Jesus is. Those who belong to the kingdom of God carry these characteristics in themselves, and this is how the kingdom comes. This is how the kingdom comes, is those who start to take on those characteristics into themselves. 
Now, I think this is a challenge to some of the ways that we want to bring in God's kingdom now. Sometimes we too are like Peter. Peter wanted Jesus' kingdom to come quickly. He said, Jesus, why don't you just go right up to Jerusalem, declare yourself as king, and just execute your lordship over everyone right away? Maybe you've had some of those thoughts too. Like, can't we just shove Jesus' teachings on everyone? But this is not what Jesus is about. He's about life transformation. Transformation in our own lives, that he would capture this group of people and allow the goodness of Jesus to shine through us. That the more that we embody and take on the teachings, the words, the ways of Jesus, this is where we see the kingdom come. And this is why Jesus says this parable. He said, the kingdom of God is, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, it grew and it became the largest of the garden plants. Have you ever thought about this? The Christian faith started with one man, Abraham. We see in Genesis that God had chosen Abraham because of his faith and his trust in God. And through Abraham down the lineage, it would come to Jesus. It started small. You think about one person in the whole world that God had chosen to bring his kingdom about. And it would continue on, continue on, continue on. And we get to Jesus who sets everything right. And then through Jesus, after Jesus' life and ministry, there was about 140 people who were following him. There was 140 people who then sat in this room after Jesus died and they were waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. 140 people, that's less than the amount of people here. Less than the amount of people here started the Christian movement, which would then become, and now is, the largest faith in the world and the fastest growing faith in the world. You think about that? It's like a mustard seed. It starts small. I think part of what that is encouraging to me is that we don't need to be focused on numbers in the same way that we so often tend to be. I mean, capitalism loves numbers. We love big. We love to go huge right away. I think this is a, a little bit of a correction for us to listen, that the kingdom of God doesn't come when we just get masses of people to something, but it comes when this group of people has this deep life change in us. Brothers and sisters, we need to hear this. It comes through us embodying the characteristics of the people of God's kingdom. It comes through us embracing the beatitude qualities. Those who are meek, those who are merciful, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted on behalf of God. And yet it grows. And it grows and it grows. And it grows so big that other birds are able to come and nest. 
that other animals are able to get sustenance and life out of it. You may be well familiar with the fact that the modern education system, the way it's arranged, has started because of Christians. There was Christians who saw poor children in England who didn't have the proper education that they saw other rich and wealthy children getting, and they thought, this isn't right. And so they started to take them in and started to educate them. And on it grew, and on it went. And now we're sitting with a huge focus on education in our world. Or you may be well familiar with the fact that the modern hospital system was started in a very similar way. That Christians in England caught a heart of the gospel and they started to understand that, you know what, we need to care for those who are sick, those who are oppressed. They're being neglected by society and they started to take it onto themselves to be this change. And so it grew and so it grew and now we have our modern hospital network. Yeah, everyone wave real quick as he passes by. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and so we have our modern hospital network through this. Guys, the kingdom of God grows when people take on and embrace the beatitude qualities, when they start caring for the poor, when they start caring for the oppressed, and then God takes it and he uses it, and then now it becomes big enough where other people are cared for by it. Do you see it? The kingdom of God grows by these small acts of faith that you and I do when we embrace the kingdom characteristics. Now, I'm not saying that all things, have, all things are good that come from those who profess the Christian faith. As we are well aware of many areas that we as a church and individually need to repent from and continue to turn to God towards. But what I am saying is that we need to be focused on the right things when it comes to the growth of the kingdom of God. That we ourselves would make ourselves set right. That we would be people that are of the kingdom. People who embrace the words and ways of Jesus and take that into themselves. For this is how the kingdom of God comes. And then Jesus told another parable still. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. A little bit of yeast and 60 pounds of flour. How many of you guys have seen those big, like, 50-pound bags of flour at Smart and Final? Some of us. Yeah, they're massive. They're hard to carry. And at that time, having that much flour would be insane. Like, you would have, you would get enough that would just be the provision for the day. So you have all this flour. It's huge. And then you take just a little bit of yeast. Imagine just taking a little, uh, okay, how, how about this? How many of you guys did the whole uh, sourdough thing at the start of the pandemic? Yeah, I definitely did. I totally went into that, too. It was like you go and you're, like, fighting other people in the aisles for that last bag of flour. Uh, but me and my wife, Brittany, got it, and, uh, and not to brag, but yeah, um, we got it, and we made some awesome, like, bagels, and what else we made? Some pancakes, pretzels, some really great stuff. It was fun, but it was really cool to watch as you start to take this sourdough that you just take a little bit 
of that fermented dough and then you stick it into the rest of the mixture. It's not much. It's maybe like, I don't know, a hundredth? Where's Katrine? She might be able to help me. She's like a sourdough master. I don't see her. But Katrine, um, oh, there she is. She's trying to hide. I won't ask. But it's a little bit that takes over the whole thing, right? It's similar to the mustard seed. It's a small amount that you think, eh, this isn't going to do much compared to the rest of the flour that it needs to go through. And yet it does. And it grows and it grows. You may have noticed that in both of these parables, the man and the woman aren't doing that much. The man plants the seed and the woman puts a little bit of yeast into the flour. The man then needs to rely on the sun and the rains to come. And the woman needs to rely on all the bread stuff that I don't really understand how that works, but then it rises. So they're waiting. They're doing their acts, yes, but they're waiting. So too is it the same with us. That we respond with acts of faith, but it is God who carries the work out. It is God who is bringing about the kingdom. Yes, we do put our little bit of yeast into the flour. Yes, we do plant the mustard seed. And then we trust in God to be the one who works and moves. The one who brings about his kingdom. I think this has been really encouraging to me too through this last week. There's a lot of work and effort that goes into making camp happen. There's a lot of stressful days, a lot of people to bring along. Or it's a lot of stress to get the right people along, that's what I meant to say. But yet it is God who works. And this is one of the things that God was teaching me through this preparation and up at camp. Yes, there's things that I can do, but I'm not going to bring about God's kingdom. I'm not going to change lives. I don't need to take the anxiety of what are the kids doing all onto myself. For it is God who brings the kingdom. It is God who is the one who works in our students' lives. It is God who is the one who is moving them towards these more small acts of faith to a further surrender to God, to certain life habits and changes that they want to make. To that position of saying, yes, I want to be a part of God's kingdom. Friends, this is what I want us to now hear. What I want you to see here is this long string of examples now of how God's kingdom comes. It comes through these many small acts of faith where these students are saying they're yes to God where students are orienting themselves to being people of the kingdom. And this is how the kingdom of God comes and grows through these small acts. And I pray that these students would be put into positions where the characteristics of God's kingdom would then spread 
to all of society to care for, to protect, to nurture. Because this is what God's kingdom is all about, setting things right. So now we're going to transition. I'm going to have all the students who are at Hume come on up, and you're going to all stand behind me. So all students who are at Hume, come on up. That means all you crowd here. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Yes, and if you're a counselor, you can come up too. Yes, just a real quick uh, thing. Um, Man, it's been really cool to see the group of people who jumped in as uh, our counselor team. There's a lot of them who have been friends of friends. So can we give a quick round of applause for our counselors and the very tiring hours that they poured into caring for our students? I loved it. Um, and also Christina Britt, who's over there. She was a huge help in helping to care for our counselors up at camp, too. So give Christina a big round of applause. There she is. Awesome. So what we're going to do is um, I'm going to invite you students, any of you, you're going to come up and just share uh, what God has done up at camp uh, and keep it relatively short, maybe a couple sentences or so. Uh, not a whole life story. We do want to hear it, just not now. Uh, but you're welcome to just come to the microphone anyone at a time and share uh, what God has done up at camp. So I'll hold it here, and then someone can come up. Um, hi, my name is Michael. And um, this year definitely got me a lot closer to God than all the other years. And this is my first year at Ponderosa, but God definitely helped me get closer to everyone, like my friends. and. He just, like, in chapel, I was just so much more interested, and I'm glad because I was with all my friends to experience it. Thanks, Michael. Hi, my name is Gigi. I broke my fingers at Hume, but... Um, this year at Hume, God me showed how to be faithful through a storm, and I'm really thankful and grateful to him for that. Thank you. My name's Cece, and something important I learned um, at camp was it's about the path, not the prize. It's not about the prize of heaven. It's about the path of finding God and God's purpose for you on this earth. Thanks, Cece. Um, when I went to Hume, I learned that when I was like, when I was like, I learned the purpose of like how you find God. And like when you find God, it's the path of how you believe and Whatever you start with, that's the, that's how you like, that's how you get more into it. Thank you.
Oh, come on. I know there's more. Here we go. A couple are coming up. My name is Julia, and um, in Ponderosa this week, we learned about truth and the truth in God's word and about relative truth and how God's word is absolute truth. Thank you. Hi, I'm Gunnar, and uh, this week during Hume, I was able to see in my own eyes uh, how God was able to speak through our mouths and uh, bring us all closer and speak in a way where we're more open with each other than we ever had been. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's great. Thanks, dude. I know there's more. We'll wait. Hi, I'm Kathy. Um, I help out with the River Kids. They're shy because they're around all these big kids. But this week we learned about what our shirt says, don't be fooled. And they use the example of how like fool's gold looks like the real gold and how like this Bible is the real gold and to like set your compass by this. So, um, you guys had some pretty awesome experiences at camp, and I know you're a little more brave than you're acting right now. So anybody want to share? Here's Cade. Put it right up next to you. I don't really know what to say. <laughs> what did you learn from that counselor? What counselor? Learned from his brother. Why didn't Master Jeb taught me that I should trust in God and teach others about God. <laughs> and this week really brought me closer to Jesus and the Bible. And that's pretty much it. So what did, I, I have one, I'm fishing for something because he said something really cool at camp. So Wagon Master Jeb was witnessed to by his brother. And you told me something that you wanted to do when you came home. I wanted to teach my sisters about the four Gospels and then read Revolutions with them, or Revelations. That's awesome. My name is Claire, and this week at camp, I learned how to have faith in the Lord and let him come into my heart and live with me in my heart. This year at camp, I learned how to just close my eyes when you're worshiping, and it feels like I'm holding God's hand, and he's like, he's forgiving me for all the sins I did. Hi, I'm Lucas, and this week at camp, I learned to follow God, and, and then I'll have a better life. Awesome. You guys are so brave now. This is good. <laughs> my name is Sunny, and... Wagon Master Jeb inspired me to read the Bible and learn more about him. Any of you ladies? Anyone? Anyone? No? Any of you big kids? Okay. Here you go. True daddy. Yeah. Uh, this week at Hume has been, like, the first time I really went back and, like, 
seriously consider Jesus and stuff because during COVID, I uh, just just like a secondary thing. I didn't really think about it at all, and it was just really like eye-opening, like reconsidering, re-going through all that stuff like seriously and not just sort of having it be like a side thing. Like I'd go to church and I wasn't really paying attention. This is the first time me like actually like going through and paying attention to God's word and Jesus. That's sweet. Love it. Thanks, Truman. Oh, the brothers back to back. This is good. Hello, uh, my name is Carson, and uh, this week I learned that God gives and he takes. Uh, He took away our ability to sleep, um, but uh, he gave us an opportunity to get uh, together with each other and get closer with each other, but more importantly, get closer with God. Thanks. Oh, oh man, all the brothers. I love it. Um, During this week at Hume, I was really, like, able to face all my doubt, and and it was really nice doing that, and, yeah. Thanks, Quentin. Do any of the counselors want to say something? My name's Holly, and I, I think I literally came to River Service like twice before I just jumped in. So it's been a really honor, big honor for me to be able to be part of this team and just jump in with all the kids um, and just to watch what God did. Um, it was a total delight getting to know all the girls and all the wagons, so that was really fun. And yeah, it was just a huge privilege. So thank you. Thank you. I got a few other here. Chris, <coughs> welcome. Welcome. Um, This week was insanely encouraging uh, for my faith. Uh, Beginning of the week, it was a little rough in the uh, frat house, but but by the end of the week, I had a group full of leaders. Um, Sophomores came together. It was, we had a couple beautiful nights. Um, It was insanely the camaraderie and the relationships that these guys were growing on their own time. It wasn't uh, during chapel, it wasn't during group time. It was purely them wanting to be better. Uh, and it was, man, God worked this week. I hope you all know that. Yeah, thanks. All right, bro. So uh, I was in the same cabin with them, 60 boys. Uh, and as we all know, they can get rowdy. Uh, and so at the beginning of the week, um, it was rough. Uh, but I learned to trust on God and not my own understanding and what I can see. Um, because by the end of the week, their hearts had completely changed. They've uh, did a full 180 in the way they uh, cared about each other and uh, were open to each other. Uh, and so God really worked this week. Thanks. Sarah. Hey, I'm Sarah. Um, I had the sophomore girls in cabin 104. Woo! Um, but yeah, it was just a really great week. I This is my first time going to the river. I go to a different church. Um, and it was just really cool to become so close with my girls in such a short um, just week. And he really just showed me how he's continuing to redeem like my the, my past and like my history. And um, yeah, he just continued to really show me why I had gone through the things that I had gone. And he really does like just take what the enemy means to use to destroy you. And um, he just uses it for his good and for his glory. So thank you. I just want to say as a church what a blessing Luke is for him to be 
being with the junior high and the high school and the heart he had and the heart for him to be in the cabin with the high school kids. Normally that doesn't happen. Usually the youth pastor is just kind of overseen, but he wanted to be with the boys in the cabin and he loves so well and he loves all these kids so much. So just for Luke. Thanks for saying that. Again, I mean, this is just too much, guys. Yeah. Uh, anyone else? Last chance. All right. I know there's more stories, but I also know the fear it takes. Um, there's just a couple other quick things that I want to point out. Um, can you two girls come over here real quick? Yeah, all of you with those really cool T-shirts on. Uh, and our and the, yeah, Derek. Um, this is just a, a quick uh, note that I want to make, just of um, pride in our church. Um, we were the champs in both Meadow Ranch and Ponderosa for recreation, and wagon train too. Let's go. So, guys, the River Church has something to uphold here, and we're very proud of our campers for also demolishing at rec. So, thanks so much, guys. Um, I know. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a big point of pride for me, too. Um, so what's going to happen now is that some of the things that God has done up at camp has led a few of our students to decide to be baptized. And baptism is this public declaration of our faith that uh, we, too, are dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. And so what we're going to do now is, is celebrate that uh, and just enjoy that. So in a moment, we're going to have everyone come down to the water to celebrate this with us. But first, uh, James is going to come up and give us a few of the logistics of how this is going to work, just so we're all on the same page. So, James. All right. Thanks so much, Luke. And, and just echo for Luke and Kathy in particular. Where's Kathy at? Where's Kathy? There she is. Honestly, like you have no idea. And for the lead, I also want to give one more, one more opportunity, especially if you're a parent that's sent a kid to just give a huge thank you to the counselors that spent that week with them. Let's just take a second and say thank you. Yeah, seriously. And for you students, maybe real quick, as loud as you can, just a cheer for your counselor. One, two, three, go. <laughs> That's called I woke up at 7.30 a.m. after a week of camp cheer right there. I love it. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we are going to head down to the water, and for those who are going to be baptized, we're going to be baptized. Um, you know who you are. You're going to go find Luke. Luke's right here. Um, and this is just an important logistical piece. We do need to just keep a line of sight for the lifeguard tower. So I'm going to ask that, like, we don't enclose in a semicircle, but kind of like a, you know, what is that, 45-degree angle sort of thing. And so if you see me or someone else asking you, just say, oh, can you step back for a minute? It's just so we can maintain line of sight for the lifeguard so they know that it's all good. Okay, so with that being said, if you're going to be baptized, come and see Luke. Um, and for everyone else, join us down at the water. Uh, and we're going to be just hanging out. So those of you that want to chill and get the water is insanely beautiful right now. So uh, hang out, say hi, surf a little, um, and reapply sunscreen. So with that, I'm going to... Um, I'll, I'll pray. Quick prayer, and then we'll, we'll bust down to the beach. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for those who are um, going to be publicly declaring, publicly declaring that they are followers of Jesus in baptism. 
And um, we thank you for the privilege to share in that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you're, uh, if you're going to be getting baptized, come on, see Luke right over here. And for the rest of us, we'll come on out. And again, just remember, if you make sure that LifeGuard has a line of sight and we're all good. Okay, thanks so much, everyone. And that's it. That's, that'll be the end of our service will be this. So let's do it, people.